0: This podcast is brought to you by Upcase. Want to become the sort of developer top rail shops like ThoughtBot fight over? Join Upcase today to get the pro training, insider knowledge, access to ThoughtBot developers, and a community of like-minded learners you need. Hone core skills like Vim, Tmux, Git, and Rails by visiting upcase.com slash halfoff to get 50% off your first month of Upcase. Let's get that junior out of your title and start leveling up today with Upcase.
1: And go! Wow, Boom. everything is lit up in orange. If I you, know, right? If you look at the uh the software we use, I forgot the name, Audio Hijack uh, Pro. It feels sweet.
0: Oh, like, it's it's not the Pro version. We're not pros. Hello, this is Tentative Podcast where we discuss product design. I'm Kyle Fiedler, and with me is Reda Lemon. So, what's up? It's been a while.
1: It has been a little while. Happy New Year, by the way, to you and yeah. to our listeners. Woo! Yay! One of our uh, one of our uh, uh, like uh, convictions, not convictions. What do they call them? Uh, goals. There's a better word for this. The goals you set at the beginning of the year resolution resolutions yeah well we tend to use that word for other things but apparently also means yeah so one of the resolutions for the podcast is that we we will be swearing more and I don't think that we've talked about this before but I was gonna say is, is there so in the first episode <laughs> we talked about
0: things that we can't say and now we're starting the new year talking about things that we're gonna say more.
1: We're, uh, yeah, this is, this is the first time I'm announcing this, so... Okay,
0: by the way, you already said one of those things that we said we wouldn't say, which was UI, right? Oh, or no, it was UX. UX, sorry.
1: You know, I saw recently... Oh no, let's not get into that. I'm I'm going to I'm going to be <laughs> ranting for a while. Uh but the thing is like we actually we can't swear because that will get us an explicit uh tag on iTunes, which means we will show up in less uh results, I guess. That's how it works, I think. Or or be bumped down.
0: Yeah, I just don't think that anyone listens to this in general.
1: Yeah. Well, I met someone who does or who did in 2015. So we'll see. No, we don't have any resolutions. We'll just keep like showing up. Keeping ourselves. Showing up every two weeks, just talking, 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 talking uh, about stuff, really. Uh, Until you sleep. Yeah.
0: So anyway, (laughs) let's get on to the topic. Yes. Uh, We wanted to like talk a little bit about, we talked about design process, we talked about design sprints, but we didn't talk about how those things kind of are involved in ThoughtBot's overall process. So that's what I wanted to talk
1: about. Sure. I'll play the devil's advocate throughout this episode just oh, to, make, to spice things up a little bit. Like, it would be quite boring if it's just an echo chamber. of Like, oh, this is great. So let's do this.
0: <laughs> Most of the time, and that's what our podcast is for, right? <laughs> yep. A lot right. of this stuff is, like, captured in our playbook, which we can put in the show notes but essentially we we usually kick things off with a design sprint or even before that we've started doing a couple days of research figuring out what the problem is that users are having and then jumping into a design sprint trying to validate some of our assumptions about the user about the problem and then, going from there we've we've kind of already covered a lot of that in episodes past, and we'll put the design sprint episode in the show notes as well. We should probably have a, an episode where we talk about how we do research and usability tests
1: yeah i um, I'm probably gonna sleep on that one
0: okay <laughs> I'll have someone else on to do that with me
1: i know i'm, I'm joking I like that' it's, it's mostly like there is not <laughs> like there are some tips you can share, but it's less controversial. I like controversy. I, I, like, I like things that have issues.
0: I think you just like going on rants is what you like.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much that. I can't rant too much about user research. User there research. isn't much to rant about anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I agree. Maybe we should cover that at some point. Cool. After that, going forward,
0: I thought it would be cool to talk about how we populate Trello how our workflow is in Trello and how we communicate with our clients and with our developers and how we continue to do research and usability testing. So jumping off from that point after the design sprint, what usually happens on the projects I'm on is I I pair with a developer in Trello and we create a bunch of cards for features that we had in the prototype. And each one of the cards is a job story. I personally like having the, the whole job story as the title of the Trello card. I know some other people at ThoughtBot like having like a short summary and then having the full story inside of the description on the Trello card. Yeah. So we work through the prototype, figure out what the jobs are, the job stories for each of the features, and then we prioritize them with the client. Usually it, it's a matter of us creating all the cards walking them through how to create cards, and then us prioritizing and showing, basically teaching them how to prioritize or showing them how we do it. And then from that point on, it's, it's a combination of a conversation, basically.
1: There's typically that one hour I spend every week trying to f- rename all the cards into job cards. <laughs> I, I call it the job card hour. Hopefully that, that shouldn't be happening. What, so like,
0: <laughs> th- this might be good. That normally happens every once in a while, but over like time, what, like w- not over at the time, beginning, Yeah. What I do to fix that and what we haven't jumped into yet was, is we have weekly retrospectives during those retrospectives. We talk about how we're feeling, how we feel about the work that we completed and how we're feeling about the upcoming work. Uh, and usually I do like, I, Believe this is what people do for Scrum meetings: is like t- take a look at the next grouping of cards or the next what we think is the next week's worth of cards. Um, make sure that the stories make sense. Make sure that everything's in priority order. And if there are cards that are improperly named, we can while we're on the call with the client. So the retrospective involves us and the client making sure that you know they understand how it was named or how it was worded improperly and wording it with them
1: yeah but but sometimes like you're taking notes directly by creating cards and usually you just like you know it's just blurbs you don't detail them and then you have to go back later and actually flesh them out split them into more more cards because like, it depends on how you like when at what point you create the cards if you're in a meeting or in a retrospective, then you can take time and and create cards. But sometimes you can't afford that, so you have to go fast and then go back later and do the proper like organization of those. Yeah. Again, I'm just I'm just like saying this because ideal ideally, what you're saying should be always the case. But we're not in a utopia, so in some cases <laughs> you have to do that sort of stuff. Yep.
0: So we have a next up column where all those cards sit and in Trello, we'll move next up cards from the top of the queue to in progress. Usually what I like to do is like I'll take the card for, from a design standpoint, either mock it. Most of the stuff I'm working on is uh, web apps. I'm coming from that standpoint, and I think you'll have the standpoint of iOS apps, so it might be good to have both of our perspectives. So I, I'll usually take a card from the top, do design for it and throw like a screenshot in the card. So when the developer takes it on, they have a good idea of what I was thinking. Yeah. And that way it also creates a good discussion. If I am in going in the right wrong direction, it immediately creates a good discussion on that Trello card. Usually what I'm doing is creating like static HTML and CSS, putting in a branch or if it's like a high voltage page, which is a separate static page from the rest of the app, putting that into like master. And that's like the kickoff point. And when do you get your design through the client? You mean when do I get input from the client? Yeah. It depends on the client. Some clients are like really invested into the visual design. And in that case, like I'll involve them as early as possible. For those types of clients, I know the more that I involve them, the happier they'll be. And then for clients that are less opinionated about the visual design and just in their words, want it to look good, yeah, I, I don't have the need to involve them as early. Like clearly the, all the screenshots are in there. And if they want to be involved in those conversations, they can be. But for clients that are more more opinionated, I'll try involve them. Like the more communication there, the better, I've always found. Yeah, And then being able for them to see my full process of like, you know, early on in the project, like I'm focusing more on user flow, on the product design, making sure that we're building the right features and not wasting their money on building features that people won't use and then slowly evolving the visual design over time.
1: Yeah. Uh, Did you have trouble in the past of like clients asking, so when can I see the final design? (laughs) <laughs> there is no final design. That's the right answer, but usually that's not the answer they want.
0: <laughs> I think there it's it's a sit down conversation with them and making sure that they understand that we're working on a web application and it's constantly living and constantly evolving. And there is never going to be a final design. There might be a final design for like launch, um, but as soon as they launch the next day, you can consider that, like new design, right? Yeah,
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because I found that part sometimes challenging to explain to the client that at no point during this project you'll be looking at something set in stone. If I make a a header today, tomorrow that header might look different if we want to prioritize that. And most of our clients get that and, and enjoy it. But there are some outliers there where you have to basically really say that almost every day like this is not final of course this is not final this is temporary this is tentative the podcast <laughs> this is no, the tentative it, podcast yeah this is like your a ten- application <laughs> well that's the reason why we're calling it tentative is because a lot of the stuff we do is tentative like here's a design for now with the amount of time i had it doesn't mean it's perfect it doesn't mean either that we can't ship with it but it's Here, It's like, it's something. And basically I always go with the idea of like a minimum viable, it's not product, but more like a feature. Minimum viable design. Minimum viable design. Like, yeah, basically it answers the questions of, is this accessible? Is this usable? Does this uh, not look like crap? And if it answers like, yes, yes. And yes, I think then it's, it's a good thing. There ship. are
0: points where, like, the visual design, though, can and might be more important. Like, I have a client that wanted more highly polished visual design for their prototype, and they had valid reasons for that. They had a few. One of them being the people that they were bringing their prototype to wouldn't have taken the prototype seriously unless it had highly polished visual design they were also trying to get investors and as much as we'll probably hate seeing this or hate hearing it, but like visual design is one of the things that people will probably comment on the most. At least they wanted to go into those meetings with something that was visually stunning. So like in that case, like I didn't worry about HTML and CSS. Uh, I was just using Photoshop and putting it into an, you know, envision prototype so that like I'd, basically didn't worry about something else but in the end like there's give and take there uh the way that we we work is is based on time so the sacrifice that they ended up making was probably paying for a little more than than what our normal prototype would be because it took me some extra time to do that design and in the prototype it was envision as opposed to maybe something that could have been ported over to the web easier
1: yeah yeah No, I absolutely agree. You brought up a point earlier about the differences between web and iOS. And the big picture is that there are not many, or at least we want that there are as few differences as possible. But there are some nuances because mostly related to the fact that sometimes it's easier to get stuff validated by the client before going ahead and building it. Just because some things do take more time on iOS than they do on on the web, especially on a new project when you're just getting started. Like a lot of things, uh, like, need that sort of like uh, initial push. So you need to set up your color palette and you need to know, but like, you know, a bunch of little things like uh, that you get for free when you're on a web project. And uh, in the beginning, especially it it probably more useful to make everyone converge on a version and then build it for like a specific feature i did the project in the past where we did exactly the web way of doing things and it was a little bit hard to explain to the client uh that things are not set in stone but i think i think this has less to do with the fact that it was ios and more to do with communication But I understand that it's not always possible to follow exactly the same process. For one thing, for instance, on Rails apps, we tend to uh, use high voltage, which is a gem that allows you to have static pages in a Rails app. In iOS, there's no such a thing. You can still create dummy views and things like that, but the bar is a little bit higher than just a drop in a a page in a folder and go into a url it requires a little bit more tinkering to link it with the rest of the app uh, and we're we're actively thinking of ways we can improve that or i am personally with the help of uh jack who is uh, my ios developer colleague here in stockholm of like ways we can make that process easier overall like the ideas are the same we don't work with mocks and we don't work with a waterfall process where a designer finishes everything and then hands it over to the developer that's pretty much the only thing we don't want to
0: first of all if if you guys build something can you call it high os voltage <laughs> wow that's insane <laughs> no
1: that's um, hi- high os voltage <laughs>
0: High OS voltage. Come on. That, that could great. be interesting.
1: Yeah. That could be interesting. I think right now we're calling it sketch kit or something uh, like that. That's
0: so much worse. Alright, we'll call it high <laughs> OS. So we we were at next up. Next up is prioritized. We're doing something in progress. I've added design to it. There are also times where I think the feature is necessary and we're building it out and then Sometimes it's easier for me to just style and clean up markup after the, the feature has been built. Yeah. And what happens there is like the developer will go off of sketches that I've done or we'll talk in person and whiteboard together and then they'll build the thing and then put it in a branch and I'll style it in that branch. So once we feel like it's ready to go, we'll put it into a code review uh, column so that all of our HTML, CSS and all of the other code gets reviewed. We'll post the link into our design Slack room and get someone to to look at it for us. Make sure in that case, a lot of it's down to the code, but I think we're also reviewing the design at the same time. We'll do design reviews kind of ad hoc in this process. So I don't know about you, but usually what I'm doing, we also have a design review channel and I'll throw, once I feel like more confident about the visual design, I'll throw screenshots in there and get feedback on the visual design. And usually like I, I try to have, if I'm on the project by myself, I've been trying to have like a product design buddy so that when I make product design decisions or if I have questions about the app, I can reach out to them and get feedback there. Yeah. But those are all kind of outside of this like Trello cube process. Once we get a thumbs up from the code review, we're putting it onto a staging and having the client comb through it.
1: Yeah, this is another area where it's different depending on the platform. So for the web, we put it into staging. For iOS, if we have a beta, then we send it to the beta. Typically we try to have a beta set up day one so that Client can be able to you know follow the progress. Uh, we did that in my last iOS project. If the client has internal developers, we tend to not do this stuff for them. Like they can just build it, and or if the client is a little bit more tech savvy, then they can very much build it on their own. But the the point is that they need to look at it somewhere to provide feedback, right? Uh, so that's um, the idea.
0: So. Part of that too. So each feature for me, like I like to try and prototype it first and then I'll do either weekly or biweekly usability user interview tests where I'm testing out the features and doing the same thing that we're doing in the design sprint. And there it's just to like make sure again that we're validating the products before we're building them. So if usability testing those high voltage pages, which is nice, and then once it's a go, I'll throw the job all the way back to next up column for the developers to look at and actually build real features as opposed to fake ones. And then, and then they'll actually build. We'll go through that same process. I think like one of the things that I've noticed is the life of one one card isn't always the same. Uh, no, and for me two, like once we've gotten to it on staging and so the client has the ability to accept or reject. If they reject, they put it back on the top of next up uh, and explain why they rejected it. I'll use the usability tests as a similar, similar test of like, is this solving their problem? Is this a problem they have? And I'll usually go through the job story. So the job story has three parts the context the motivation and then the expected outcome. And yeah. the motivation, yeah, those are, uh, yeah. it's early morning on Friday. I, I think fine. those are right. <laughs> it's fine.
1: It's okay. You can say whatever, whatever words like motivation, expectation, awesomeness. It works. <laughs> uh, we can point to job story
0: articles for that. Yeah. But so, jobs to be done. Right. So what I'm doing is I'm breaking that into the three parts, the three parts of the story and like making sure that they have that context, that they have the motivation and the, we're right on the expected outcome. And then that the story is solved by the features that we built. And if it is like we put it into a live and monitoring column. The other thing that I've done in the past is once it's in live and monitoring, The way that we build features is we try to build the most minimal possible. We make sure that people can solve the problem that they're trying to solve, but at at the least amount of development as possible, again, to make sure that we're validating everything. And one of the things that I've been doing is, like, the job doesn't change, but sometimes we will want to polish up the experience. So I'll bring the job card for, like, navigation I, that's probably going to be a bad example.
1: Do, do you do you but, like uh, pull it back from live or?
0: Yeah, so we'll pull it back from live and monitoring and we'll pull it into next up and we'll talk about how we want to polish up the features that are solving that job story. So you create new cards or you just
1: update the, the same card?
0: Update the same card. Usually there's a lot of learning that goes into each one of the cards and communication so, like, we, I don't want to lose that. And then the same goes for a lot of code. Like, one of the things that we, we don't like doing as much as possible is, like, if there's an existing code base, dumping the code base and starting from scratch. And that's because there's, like, knowledge in that code base, this whether is, we know yeah. it or not. And, I mean, there are exceptions to the rule to that rule. Like, there, there are code bases that are so bad that, like, it's easier to dump it and the the knowledge the time that'll take to get regain the knowledge versus the time that'll i take to fix the code base yeah is less
1: yeah I, I so this is an interesting thing because i don't think i've done it in the past and now you made me want to try it i don't i don't think this what you're describing is typical way we do it i i feel like we create cards whenever we have new items i've never heard someone saying that they use the same they recycle cards if So if,
0: I've I've started doing this on the projects that I've been on for a longer amount of time just because like
1: the job is the same, right? Like Yeah, that's if you look at it it what you're saying makes sense. That's why I'm saying that it, it, you made me want to try it because the job does not change. It's, your solution is changing, but the goal is still the same. Right. So yeah, it totally makes sense. I think the only <sighs> thing that I would feel a little bit concerned about is that some clients might feel that they're just going you're going in a loop, like you're not making progress because the only way to see progress in Trello is seeing the uh, live column fill up and the next up column uh, thin Go. down. <laughs> and um if you just keep pulling back stuff to improve it, then it's just going to feel like stuff is not moving forward.
0: But that's honestly like the truth right like you're hopefully just continuing to polish the problems that you're solving and at times adding adding new smaller problems to solve within the app it is essentially a loop <laughs> so it's the truth
1: it's the as, truth <laughs> as, and, as much as uh, and you, as, can't uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can't handle the
0: truth you can't handle the truth no, I think there's again like a lot of a lot of this is communication with the client. Those weekly retrospectives, making sure you're communicating with the whole team in Slack. This is why a lot of the times we love having co-located teams and having the clients in our office is because it, that cuts down on the barriers for communication. And it's not always possible and we don't always do that. And in fact, a lot of the projects I've been late on lately are are all remote, but it does help. But tools like Trello, being able to talk back and forth on Trello, being able to talk back and forth on Slack. So every project has its own dedicated Slack room, Slack channel, and we expect the client to be in it so that we'll be able to answer questions quickly and get their opinion quickly. And then, you know, having also the ability to jump on a phone call or a hangout making sure that it's everyone knows that that expectation is set that people can do that as often as they need um sometimes it's like easier to talk things out than to be able to type things out
1: yeah so uh. this all sounds good and dandy but i would be curious to know like what sort of pain points you have as kyle Feedler. With this process, or like areas you see, there's room for improvement and things like that. So, I think
0: the biggest room for improvement
1: over the last couple of
0: projects is the onboarding. I think that's where later on in the process, we hit road bumps and speed bumps, or whatever the heck you want to call them. Yeah. Like making sure the client is fully bought into the way that we build software and understands that it is a very iterative process both in the design and in the refinement of how we're solving the problem. But we're doing that because we don't want to waste their money. We don't want them to go down into a rabbit hole and spend a lot of money on features that won't actually solve users' problems.
1: Yeah, that's a good point because I think it's it's very... Exclusive to, you know, like web shops and consultancies. I'm not sure. Well, I mean, the last time I was in a product company, we had other issues with like budget and things like that. But I'm not sure like how uh, more nimble product companies deal with these cases. But what I wanted to say is that this is some extra challenge for us in this industry. Right. So uh, like
0: I think the onboarding process is the biggest thing that we can continue to improve and essentially like I think all of the problems that we've had with clients in the past is just come down to communication that's Uh, true yeah and whether it's we're not communicating really well or they're not communicating really well like sometimes it's one or the other and sometimes it's really both yeah Um, making sure that like all of the their decisions are being transparent and all of our like why we're encouraging them to make certain decisions is really transparent i think is really important
1: yeah i i agree that communication is a big part of our job and i usually say that it's like the hardest job for me is not figure out technical problems it's actually to explain how what it makes to to actually make good software and it's sometimes it's a little bit harder than than it sounds before we wrap up, I I had something to say. Oh, um, so a lot of the things you said seem to be centered around clients. and But I would be curious if you still do or how much of this you do when you're working on your side projects and things where you're the only person who is involved. Do you still follow this process or you're just like, nah, screw it, I'll do it uh, my way. I have...
0: I've been stalled on it, but I have like a a toy rails app that I've been working on and I've followed this process still for me. Like I haven't cared about acceptance because the project is there for me mostly to learn. Yeah. And I haven't cared about validation because again, I'm building the project to learn. I think if, if I was treating it like a project that I was going to, make money on I would still follow the process and I still pretty much do so one of the things that we didn't talk about is on the far left the the first two columns for me are the overarching job story so what is e- either the job story or the problem statement that we have in the design sprint and that way like whenever I'm looking at cards as like as a designer and I encourage my clients to do this too is like Look at the job story on the card and then look back at that overarching goal, the overarching problem, the overarching job story, and make sure that the features that we're building are and the jobs that we're trying to solve, the smaller jobs that we're trying to solve, all relate back to that overarching problem statement job to be done. Yeah. And then in. The second to left column is a discussion column of ideas and uh, things that aren't quite actionable yet. And so my personal project has a ton, like I don't have the, the overarching job story just because I don't care. Again, like it's solving a problem for me and it's really mostly the job is for me to learn, which doesn't need to be explicitly stated for me. Yeah. But like, I do go through ideas and discussions, and I'll bring jobs. I'll I write out job stories and put them into next up, put next up in, in, into you know some sort of doing column. Yeah, and then have a done column. And I, for me, like uh, it's it's nice to see what's been done, and again, still doing the bringing the done card all the way back to the top of next up and ref you know polishing up or making the feature nicer
1: yeah yeah i i actually noticed that i can't really get stuff done without like trello or something similar i still use trello because it's i mean it's i have trello gold and i i like it uh well it's not all right i mean that's another topic but (laughs) i think i think it does well the job like 80% of the time uh there are some small issues here and there but i really need to have a visual representation of the progress even if it's a side project and usually i spend two weeks on something without a trello board and just feel lost like so what was the next thing i wanted to work on uh whatever like and i i don't use it just for listing the things but also like for prioritizing things what i'm trying to say is that it becomes a habit that you can't like do without. And I think that's a good thing. I I mean, even PRs, I tend to open PRs that I review myself. Uh, Obviously I don't do the, uh, ship it emoji because that would be a little bit scary, Uh, but I, I just review it. And if I think it's good, I just merge it.
0: Uh, That's better than me. I just, on my personal projects, commit to master. I,
1: I, I do that if it's small change, but if I'm I'm, branches, if I'm doing something quite big, I I want to have the, the uh, option of falling back to master if, if go like if stuff doesn't go well so i tend to do that and prs also is a nice way to visualize the changes and um that's true you know, so i i tend to do that even on projects where i'm the only person and this could only also be like for client work because like sometimes i am the only person on a client project and I, te- I tend to bring people uh you know to review my prs and stuff but uh sometimes like it's not some small changes don't require PR, but I still open it, review it, and then merge it. If you know, especially like CSS, small CSS changes and that. But I just like because a lot of times you 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 might change something without knowing it, so it's important to follow a good process in that in that regard. Yep, and also and also attaching screenshots to prs is really useful and uh, animation if you have transitions and stuff also right. is very useful animated uh, gifs it, for the win. it solves uh, a lot of like communication issues and I, i've been doing that on every project that involves the ui especially since you pull in people from not from outside that project and to take the time to explain what's going on in text is going to be take a lot of time whereas like here's a screenshot, here's the landing page, you click here, you go here, you do this form, and that's it, and people get it. So I, I like that, and you yeah, should be I've doing it. Yeah, I've taken
0: to um, doing always adding a screenshot or an animated GIF of the interface and also linking to the Trello card so that like, for the person who's reviewing it that's not on the project, they can, like, if they want to, quickly read through the trial card of what the job story is and any background on it and then see what's going on. I feel like seeing what's going on is super important for CSS and HTML.
1: Yeah. And also it's a GIF, not GIF. It's GIF. I'm sorry, but the guy who created the thing wants it to be called GIF. It's also stupid. All right, Keeley, thank you for being here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Red A. Uh uh, all right i started this i shouldn't have but yeah well thank you listeners for listening to to us i yeah. mean it's 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 hard so yeah this was episode 20 of tentative um hope you enjoyed it if you didn't uh please let us know you can email us at uh hosts at tentative.fm or write us on twitter at uh tentativefm it's a uh, one word uh, you can rate us on iTunes and uh, yeah, get in touch and say hi. We'd love to know who listens to us.